Hey everyone, welcome to Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck, the podcast that takes a deep dive into canine behavior, building up alone time comfort, and helping improve the welfare of our beloved canine companions. In this podcast, we will discuss real-life tactics for modifying behavior, real alone time case studies, and help guide you through the emotional process of behavior change. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take the next step in your alone time training. All right, everybody, welcome back to Home Alone and Comfortable as Heck. I am super excited to say today that we have the Milena Demartini joining us, and we're going to dive deeper into just the concept of becoming a CSAT, what a CSAT entails, what to look for in a trainer, and lots of other fun, extra exciting things. So Milena, um, you have been in the industry for over 20 years, if I remember correctly, and I would love to pass the mic on over to you just to kind of introduce yourself to the audience and let them know why you're here, why you're the leading expert, and we will kind of continue on from there. Thank you, Allie. First of all, I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. What an exciting, exciting platform that you have. And I am really um thrilled because it's just a great way to get important information out to anybody and everybody that has either personal concerns with separation anxiety in their own dog or who are professionals that are looking to hone their skills about the topic. So you're right. As as you mentioned, I have been in the industry for over 20 years, which I (laughs) realize makes me a little ancient, but uh, you know what? I I, I count those wrinkles with pride and You know, I I feel like I've I've earned many of them. So, um, yeah, you know, 21 years ago, I um, was a fairly fresh graduate from the Academy for Dog Trainers, which is Gene Donaldson's program. And I got my very first case which was separation anxiety. And, you know, very first one. I mean, talk about serendipitous, right? Uh, And I will tell you, it was interesting because the first thing I said to the woman on the phone was, oh gosh, you know, I'm I'm a relatively green trainer. And, um, you know, I think that you're much, you'll be much better served by working with someone more experienced. And she burst into tears and said, okay, well, if you're going to refer me to someone, can you please refer me to someone that will work with separation anxiety? Because you are the seventh trainer that I've spoken to and no one will work with me. And my heart just broke for her because for, for so many reasons, one of which like what commitment that she was able to and willing to talk to so many different trainers and continue and persevere trying to find someone that would help her and her dog. And so I I told her with very full transparency that, you know, I knew a lot of what was the current teaching about separation anxiety, but, you know, I I was by far and, you know, not an expert. And I said, you know, it might be some trial and error between the two of us. And uh, so I started to work with her and, that was the beginning of a 
lifelong passion for separation anxiety. And a funny note about that, you know, that case was incredibly successful. Uh, retrospectively, I think that dog would have been fine without our interventions. Oh. I think the dog was just very new to the home and hadn't settled in yet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but looking back on that, I, I, I that even still makes me happy as a success because we can give dogs this metaphorical soft place and even if they aren't truly experiencing separation anxiety, right? And just going through some transition. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I've had some of those myself, but that's just so crazy to think. And I don't think I knew that, that it was your very first case that you had ever taken on as a trainer. And I hear you, as as you obviously very well know, there's so many trainers out there that just refer and refer and refer because they are not having any of it. So I'm so glad that I was able to find you in your program. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in detail. Um, but no, that's so exciting. And I'm glad that you were able to experience that. And I'm glad it was a total win. Um, I, so leading into that, let's kind of talk a little bit about like what drives you, like what drives this mission? Like what is, I know there's likely many reasons behind why you've focused all of your career and lifetime goals on helping dogs with separation anxiety, but kind of like, what's the big thing that drives you with this? Why is this so important to you? You know, I think, yeah, you're right. There are multiple reasons. And when I first began, uh, even though that was my first case, I was also take, you know, began to take on everything from puppies to, you know, extreme aggression and, and so forth. Um, but separation anxiety always held this sort of special place in my heart because I think there's this combination of the dog's welfare mm-hmm. and the, what the human being, the, you know, the person that loves that dog is also going through. It is a tremendously impactful issue to have to deal with on both the dog side and, and the guardian side. And, it, and I felt after that first case and going forward with a couple of more cases, I felt really strongly that we could do more than what we knew at the time. Absolutely. And it just led to this, you know, many, many year feeling of passion and obligation toward the welfare of, of these, you know, wonderful beings who are typically the most amazing dogs, but the big pink elephant in the room is the separation anxiety. Yeah, no, you just hit it right on the head there. I absolutely agree. It's not, of course, yes, it's a welfare concern for the canines that we're working with, but even more so for, not more so, but even just as valid would be the human component, the human need for increase in welfare, because as you've said time and time before, like these clients feel like prisoners in their own home. And if they're not getting the level of welfare that they need to kind of function and take care of the pet, there's no way that that pet is then going to be able to receive the increase in welfare that they need. So I love that like double prong approach that you mentioned there. That is awesome. And um, any, anything else you wanted to know in regards to drives for this industry or your specific niche? You know, I, I suppose one of the other things that really has inspired me is just watching the evolution of this industry over the past 20 some odd years. Um, I feel really strongly that there needs to be an elevated level of education for professionals. You know, we all know much to our dismay that anybody can hang up their shingle and call themselves a dog trainer or even a specialist for that matter. Right. Right. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's pretty shocking. And, uh, and so it has, it has kind of equally driven me to just pursue that elevation of education. And, and for me in this particular niche, but I think that we're starting to see now uh, that each and every behavior issue has a bit of a niche and people mm-hmm. can really truly become specialists. And when I say specialists, you know, being a specialist doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a good generalist. You have to have that broad base in order to go down deeper and specialize in something as unique as separation anxiety or aggression or, you know, any, any of these behavior issues. So uh, just really elevating the industry has also been something that has driven me, uh, you know, alongside impacting so many dogs and the people that love them. No. And that's, yes, I completely agree. And if it wasn't for me finding your specific program, like I probably would not be here helping as many hundreds of pups as I have at this point. And um, on that note, I'm curious, it's been a while since I've asked how many CSATs do you have out there in the world now? Because it's not just, you know, regional. I know you have um, CSATs all over the world. Um, Do you know about how many you have right now? Yeah, we're, we're just under 200 at the moment as of of this moment in time. And you're right. They're all over the world and just about every time zone and atmosphere that you can. And I, I just think back a handful of years well, it's more than a handful, but you know, a while back when it was just me and it is so interesting to look at that trajectory and to see again this impact on the industry that CSATs uh, have had. I mean, to the extreme that you know CSATs have been recommended by the American Veterinary uh, Society of Animal Behavior, um, and we are we are making such an inroad in the process of behavior modification, particularly for separation anxiety, but also even affecting the way other people look at behavior modification and the process by which they implement their daily training. Oh, absolutely. And I'll say this is a little off topic, but kind of reminds me from what you just said. I was working with a client and they, their pup, as most of them had a couple of other behavior concerns, and they actually reached out to another trainer to help with the outside concerns and wanted the exact structure that we do as CSATs with our spreadsheets and with the day-to-day like observations. So it's so funny. It's when it comes to systematic desensitization, this isn't specific to alone time, right? Like this is across the board, what we can use for fears and phobias in general. So just wanted to add that in there. I thought that was super sweet when they were like, well, you're not enough like Allie. You're not doing what the millennia and Allie love it. Super cute. I love it. And what's, what's so important about that Allie, and I don't want to get off on a total uh, diversion, <laughs> but what's so important about that is one thing I think I've really learned, you know, personally and professionally um, is Data drives our behavior decisions. Absolutely. And when we see professionals that aren't keeping track and 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 collecting that data, there's a concern mm-hmm. that they are missing some key elements and missing and, and potentially missing some opportunity for more efficient and more effective training Absolutely. methodologies. 
Yep. No, I completely, completely agree. And that's kind of a perfect segue into the CSAC curriculum and like why it is so different and why it is so in-depth and why anybody out there, um, you know, trainer or family that's struggling with a dog that has separation anxiety, like why a CSAT? What makes CSAT special and different? Well, first, because I just have to, I have to tell you how it all started. Yeah, do it. Let's go. Kind of a funny story. I, um, I was a sole proprietor and I had taken on, and if I, if I were to tell you how many separation anxiety clients I was juggling at one time back then, you might pass out because you (laughs) take on a lot and I know you take on a lot, but I was juggling so many. It was insane. Right. And, um, Unfortunately, I continued to get so many inquiries, but I had nobody to refer to comfortably because I knew that most people did not follow the same systematic process that I had (laughs) been following and that I had developed over the years. Um, And I was talking to a colleague of mine and I said, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I got a wait list a mile long and people are desperate. Everyone that calls me is desperate. And my, my colleague said, you know, you should train an apprentice. And I thought, oh yeah, like in my spare time, when am I going to train an (laughs) apprentice? Right. Uh, And so I thought, well, okay, I'll think about it. And then a couple of days later we were talking again and I said, you know, I loved the idea of training an apprentice, but my gosh, that person's dance card is going to be filled within a month. And then what do I do? And she said, well, you could always train too. And both of us, like in the, in the same millisecond, we're like, Hey, maybe I should try and train sort of a small group of people. And the, the funnier aspect to that story, I think is that she had said to me, you have so much that you need to train to um, people about working with separation anxiety. And I was like, I don't know. It's systematic desensitization. Everybody knows what that is. And she's like, I want to say that some point in time down the line, I'm going to tell you, I told you so. And boy, does she say, I told you so to me all the time. Oh my gosh. We started with just five people. uh, And that was sort of our beta test. And from there, it really took off and we developed the curriculum that we have today, which is an extraordinarily comprehensive curriculum that includes everything from um, tons of video, um, analysis of data, discussion of how to create day-to-day missions, what the nuances of all different types of cases are. And it's important to me that the people that go through our certification program to become a, a certified separation anxiety trainer are of an elevated status before they even come in. So um, it's so crucial to me that people are well, well versed in dog behavior prior to taking the program. Um, I, I really want to create experts in the field. And I think this is a very complicated behavior issue that not just anybody can sort of pick it up and, and, you know, go ahead with it. Right. Right. So we really have the highest standards um, uh, for our applicants and for those that we select to have in our program. And And I'm excited by that. 
No, it is. And I feel honored just for being accepted into that however many years ago. And no, it's like to kind of uh, mimic what you had just mentioned. I even have, and I'm sure you have, and a lot of other CSATs, we have trainers that have been in the industry for 20 plus years that they know what they're doing, right? It's not their first rodeo, but they still will hire a CSAT to help them with a specific case or with their specific individual dog. So it's important to know that just because you're a trainer doesn't necessarily mean that this line of work is for you, nor should you have to have the desire to take these cases, right? So I always find that um, very um, reassuring and um, reinforcing when a trainer that's been in the industry for so long is still understands the importance of what it is that we do as CSAT and reaches out to us because we are the, uh, like, well, you're the expert in the industry, but we're all like specialists in the industry, right? So yeah, no, just wanted to kind of repeat that because it is very, very important. It shouldn't just be Joe Schmo down the street working on your separation anxiety protocol. Like you need to really have the experience and the education necessary to really help those families thrive. If I guess that's the best word. Um, and so you know what's I, interesting about what you just said there too, Allie is, um, uh, you know, the 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 friend of mine that was saying, you know, I'm going to say I told you so someday. Um, it has really come full circle because we have people that. Uh, attend the the certification program and they're you know like you said in the industry for decades and they're very very well versed in training and they are blown away by the time they get to the end of our program as to how much they didn't realize that they didn't know prior totally yeah, no, we're never done learning, right? Even somebody out there that thinks they know what they're doing and have been taking separation anxiety cases with amazing success, I still think that everybody would find value in this um, specific curriculum. And having been through it myself, I can say that honestly. So no, I, I completely hear you. I'm curious. So obviously the big elephant in the room is like the pandemic and how it's impacted so many families all over the world. I know how it's impacted me personally with my uh, private consulting and what I've been doing with yourself. But how do you think this pandemic um, that's unfortunately still going on has impacted a CSAT um, for better or for worse? You know, I think that it's, we, we tend to really look at the pandemic as the, you know, the stem or the root of the, of the, of the increase in inquiries that we've had. But I think it's really multifaceted. Um, so one of the results of the pandemic is an incredible increase in the number of people that have acquired dogs in the past two years. Yeah. And so just by virtue of, you know, 50% uh, of the households in the U S having acquired a dog in the last two years, um, that means there's that many more dogs, which means there's that many more people that are in need of, uh, whether it's separation anxiety training or, or other training. Um, so that I think has really impacted what we are doing as CSATs. I also think that as a result of the pandemic, we have seen an incredible increase in awareness about separation anxiety. I know even for me personally, I I've done a lot of, you know, news media uh, and interviewed with a variety of stations around the, you know, news stations around the U.S., um, was featured in the Atlantic and the post and, you know, all those, because people are like, wow, this is potentially going to be a really big concern post pandemic. Right, right. Uh, and so we, we have seen that very, um, 
important increase in awareness, which has impacted again, the, the reality of more people contacting us right. in hopes of uh, either quelling a current issue or even in hopes of potentially preventing, which right, is right. something that, you know, <laughs> is a whole conversation in and of a itself. A whole other can of worms, right? Oh my goodness. No, I absolutely hear you. And um, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but I've also seen that there are multiple other like quick, easy fixes and things that you see on the internet. And they were always there, but I feel like it's tenfold now um, because they can really take advantage of these families out there that want a quick, easy fix um, in regards to quote unquote, curing separation anxiety. Um, any input on that and some of the, you know, easy cookie cutter plans we're seeing out there right now? Yeah. Um, you know, it actually saddens me. Um, but you know, we are living in a, in a capitalistic world that, you know, people are, um, going to try and, um, you know, capitalize as such upon current issues that are, um, creating demand. And unfortunately, as human beings, we, we are used to at this point in time, getting quick results, having quick fixes. And, um, so it's very attractive to see a lot of the advertising and the social media that's out there that says, you know, 30 days until your dog will no longer have separation anxiety, (laughs) you know, follow our quick fix tips or, you know, that that sort of thing, or just, or even, you know, sort of cookie cutter using formulaic processes saying, you know, you're just going to increase every day by, you know, 10% of your duration or something like that. Those can actually lead to, as well as many of these quick, quick tips can actually lead to a more challenging problem for your dog. It's what we call sensitization um, where the dogs actually get a bit worse. And then unfortunately you're, you know, three steps back where you have to begin with the correct protocol. So it is a bit heartbreaking to see because I understand and the attraction that your average pet parent may have to these quick fixes. Uh, and if there's anything that I hope to accomplish with doing, you know, podcast interviews and media interviews and things, it's to help people understand that, yeah, this is fixable, but not in a quick fashion. Right, right. Quick results aren't going to necessarily lead to long lasting results too. And not to mention the whole can of worms of potentially making things even worse the second time around, which can be incredibly defeating. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but it can be incredibly defeating if a client spent for like, just for example, like three months working on a slow, steady increase. And then all of a sudden their pup just can't hang anymore. They just can't do it anymore. And then they reach out to trainers and they just realize that they're starting right back at square one. And that can be incredibly defeating after putting in so much time and energy and emotion into the process. So very, very important. I'm glad that you brought that up. And so, I mean, I know we're kind of wrapping up towards the end and there's a couple of other things I wanted to make sure that we were able to talk about today. Um, If you had to give, uh, you know, family, trainers out there, whoever's listening, like three things to really take away from um, this podcast and uh, our chat together. What are three things that are really important to you that you hope that people can take away from this? So, okay, let's see three things. Um, I think the first 
that I always, always, you know, if you end up stop, not being able to listen to the rest of this recording, <laughs> listen for the next two moments. <laughs> um, separation anxiety is not your fault. Okay. Absolutely. There is so much quote owner blaming out there. And there are so many people that say that if you don't, if you, if you, uh, you know, don't be the leader or if you're coddling your dog too much, or if you're spoiling your dog, or if you're letting your dog sleep in the bed, all of these things that people are saying cause separation anxiety and therefore are the problem of the, of the pet parent, as if they've caused this problem, that is absolutely not true. I mean, unequivocally not true. And we have really solid research to stand um, on uh, uh, with that, with regard to that. So absolve yourself of any guilt if you have a separation anxiety dog and know that you can um, start with a systematic process. Um, I think with insofar as the profession, if you don't have any um, really in-depth knowledge to appropriately work with separation anxiety cases, and, and particularly in a very customized and individualized, specialized way, uh, I think that it, the onus is really on you to either refer or to seek out appropriate education, which of course, you know, throw a bone out there, you may as well, you may as well seek out becoming a certified separation anxiety trainer because it is the, um, the key uh, educational platform that is out there. Absolutely. And um, then lastly, I, I think as a third thing, I want people to know that we do see results um, with separation anxiety dogs, but every dog is an individual. So trying these quick tips and tricks for a week or two is probably not going to resolve the problem. However, as we sort of have already alluded to, going slow, systematically, carefully um, will yield positive results, but we have to be patient right. and we have to be compassionate, not only with the dog and have empathy for the dog, but be graceful and kind to ourselves throughout the process. Absolutely. No, that's a big one. And it's one of the biggest questions that clients always ask on our calls, right? Like before we dive into a protocol, how long is it going to take? And I always tell them like, if I had a crystal ball, I promise I would tell you, but as a professional, it just wouldn't be ethical for me to give you some sort of blanket statement for average time frame. because as you mentioned, every dog is very much an individual. And it's, I always like to say stress doesn't live in a bubble, right? So even if you're getting five gold stars on your homework for alone time, if your dog's having multiple stressors outside of alone time with daycare or other dogs or stranger danger, all of that kind of has an impact, like an impact on overall welfare and comfort levels. So we really need to be looking at the big picture and not just, again, give, giving five gold stars for doing homework, right? <laughs> and I'm curious. So I know the answer for me on this. Um, what, what is your feeling? And I think I already know the answer, but what's your feeling about creating more of a team for individual dogs, if necessary? For example, bringing in the veterinarian or vet behaviorists, outside trainers, et cetera. Let's talk a little bit about that. Well, I got to tell you, you know, we were already talking about what drives me and what makes me passionate, et cetera. 
But I feel like just in the last couple of years, I have a new, you know, goal, if you will. And, and that is to sort of close this chasm that exists between the quote trainers and the veterinary professionals, um, whether they be general practice vet or veterinary behaviorists. I think that working together and very collaboratively as a team with a number of professionals, including the veterinary profession, including the trainers and the behaviorists, and even the dog walker or the pet sitter or and the, and the, and the groomer for fear-free handling. And, you know, all of these are elements of support that are dire for these cases. And, and I hope, and I might, one of my big goals is to see us have better communication efforts um, amongst all professionals so that we can support each other in, in our efforts to help these dogs that really are in dire need of help. Right. No, absolutely. And thankfully, like over the years of doing this as well, like I have seen that, that like the more you work with a veterinarian, the more they start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, because a lot of professionals out there, I mean, and not specifically to veterinarians, just in general, they still look at this like an unresolvable situation and they don't think training will work and that the only thing that will work is I mean, you name it, they, they all have different recommendations, just leave them alone, or you can never leave them alone, or you just have to heavily medicate. Like there's so many opposing views on everything. And I do think that obviously every dog, again, is an individual, but if there is help that can be made by bringing in the veterinarian or off, like outside trainer, et cetera, let's do it. Let's create a big like team for the entire dog. So that way they're not, you know, just struggling on their own. And the parents not just only having one person to talk to, uh, talk to about like their issues and what they're going through. Don't get me wrong. I love being the shoulder to cry on. Of course, I'm here for all of my clients, but sometimes it can be even more helpful to have multiple professionals with their own little niches and what they do all working together, um, which is one of the big reasons why I love the data collection aspect of what we learn as CSATs, because it really creates clear communication um, for ourselves with the veterinarians and vet behaviorists that we work with of, hey, this is where we were at. These are all these beautiful, amazing graphs because I love that, love that stuff. Um, and it really just helps them get a better feel for exactly what it is that we're doing and show them, hey, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Look at this upward progress that we've been making, et cetera. Yeah. And you make a good point there because you were just saying even in the last few years, you know, you have seen um, these collaborations increase. Mm -hmm. And I think back to 10 years ago, maybe even less, and there was such little information out there about working with separation anxiety. And now, um, you know, it's really become the, the hot topic and there's um, so much more research. And I mean, it's been the number one researched right. behavior issue for the past four decades. Uh, so we have a lot of really outstanding science-based, evidence-based uh, information. And I think that has started to really push forward the, the ability for all professionals to be speaking the same language and be on the same page. And right so important to see that that evolution yeah no it's it's amazing I, I love it every single time I have a referral from a vet or like a VD that I'm working with or a veterinarian it just it makes my heart sing because it just goes to show like oh my gosh like everybody is really starting to pick up on this and we're all moving in the right direction etc 
Um, oh my goodness. I feel like we could talk about this for days on end. It's so good. I know. <laughs> uh, but I want to make sure, like, is there anything like else that we haven't already discussed that you feel is like really important for families or even trainers again out there to note um, or anything that you want to kind of plug in any exciting things upcoming with CSAS yourself, just kind of anything in general? Well, um, I will say something exciting coming up with um, our certification program is that, you know, it is, it has been a process of refining it and refining it and refining mm-hmm. it. And every time uh, I go to teach a new set of students, I think, oh, I could do this just a little bit better. Or I could explain this a little more, or this new research has, has shed some light on this aspect of things. And so we're always, always improving um, because there is no cookie cutter. We know that. Right. And, uh, and so I think it's really exciting. This next round of students, which is starting in, in just a few weeks, um, we have added some pretty cool elements to the separation anxiety certification program that includes actually some, uh, for lack of a better term, like learning games where they, they literally it's, it's, I I don't want to cheapen it by saying it's gamified, but there's ways that they could, you know, put together, you know, matching, matching items and things like that. It's, it's very, very slick. And as a result of really being able to continue to improve upon the program, um, I have brought on now two full-time co-teachers and we are starting to offer the certification program to even more trainers because the demand is so high. Oh, that is so exciting. So I, I should go back and retake the course is what you're saying, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think I'll let you in. <laughs> no, no, I love it. I love it. Um, so anything else you wanted to kind of chat about or anything you wanted to bring up, Melinda? You know, I just, I just want people to know that there really is hope. And for those of you that have dogs that are suffering, find a CSAT and know that your, your patience, your kindness, your compassion will be rewarded very, very heavily. And that what you are going through now is a temporary situation. Mm -hmm. And ultimately you will look back and say, gosh, you know, while you're in it, it feels like it's forever. But when you come out the other side and look back, you will know that that was a journey that was so well worth it, not just for your dog, but also for you as, as the person who, you know, is, is in love with that dog too. And for your own life and the things that we learn, I think, um, when we take a dog through a separation anxiety protocol, the things that we learn above and beyond just, you know, how to implement systematic desensitization. I think there's literally like personal growth that happens on a regular basis because we realize how important it is to respect the individual's ability or lack thereof at times. Exactly. Uh, No, no. Like that's the big thing, right? We can only ever go as fast as the individual learner is able. And throughout that process, it's empowering for us. It's empowering for them. And we really just create even more of a big, healthy, huge relationship with our dogs based on trust, because we're able to actually listen to them um, where a lot of people, when they first dive into this, 
they maybe don't know a ton about body language or about what their dog's trying to communicate. You better believe by the time you're done with a separation anxiety protocol, you're looking at all these things, not even in an alone time context, but out at the dog park, meeting new people. Like it's not just, yes, of course, it's helping your individual dog, but it's also going to help you be a better pet owner for however many animals you have in the future, right? Because you, you, you're speaking their language, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, I um, love that. And, right. And one other thing I'll uh, kind of say in regards to what you had just mentioned is that so many clients, if you're or not even clients of mine or clients of Melena's, just any family out there, you are going to go through multiple patches in your training in which you just want to throw in the towel and give up. I will say, and I know Melena will agree with this, our clients that were in it for the long haul that now have their whatever their goals were, two hours of alone time, five hours of alone time, whatever it was, they also were in your exact same shoes. They also wanted to throw in the towel. They've told me multiple times in the past, I can't do this anymore. I'm frustrated or I feel defeated. If they would have given up the one, two, three, four, however many times in the past, they wouldn't be where they are today. So it's long, it's stressful at times, it's obviously emotional, but it is worth it if you're able to stick with it for both, as Melena said, yourself and your pup that we're actually working with. So stay with it, guys. <laughs> I love it. I love it, Allie. Way to, way to wrap it up and remind you. Oh, this is a very, very, very exciting and powerful process to go through. And I, I hope that any of you out there, whether you are a professional or, or uh, just a, an average pet parent, I hope that you realize and enjoy the journey along the way, um, right. whether that's the journey for further education as a professional or whether that's the journey of helping your dog through to the other side. Um, it, it is a pretty powerful process. Absolutely. I completely agree. Well, Melena, I am definitely going to have to have you back because I feel like we could talk about so many different little pockets of separation anxiety. Sure and right. So this is not the last time we will have you on this podcast. Um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm very much looking forward to diving in in more detail in other situations later down the line. Um, so thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. Thank you so much, Allie, and continue to do what amazing things that you do. Oh, I appreciate you. It's all because of you, Milena. Thank you so much. Did today's episode leave you with any lingering questions? I would be more than happy to address them on my next podcast. Please send me any questions or comments pertaining to this episode via Instagram at Training with Allie and or on Twitter at Training with Allie. I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you. All links and information discussed on this podcast can be found in the show notes below. This podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any individual case. Please consult your veterinarian before adding to or modifying your pet's current treatment plan.